0: If you would now please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, we will be reading verses 35 through 41. Please hear the word of the Lord. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. that even the wind and the sea obey him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is a lack in our churches today. What do we lack? What we lack in our churches today is awe and reverence for God. We lack the preaching of the holiness of God. We lack the preaching of who God is, as I mentioned earlier, and his attributes. In other words, churches today are lacking God. Could you imagine? Sermons are becoming more and more about man and man's needs and wants. Rather than God. And most people today do not have a clear description of who God is. We have uh, the scriptures, and if we take the time to go through them and study the scriptures, go verse by verse, we try to explain who God is. But uh, unfortunately, most people today do not have the time. And they want a clear cut answer. Well, our larger catechism summarizes what the scripture reveals above God in that He is a spirit in and of Himself, infinite in being, glory, blessedness, and perfection, all-sufficient, eternal, unchangeable, incomprehensible, everywhere present, almighty, knowing all things, most wise, most holy, most just, most merciful, and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. And we know that there is only one God, one true and living God, and that He exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, same in substance, equal in power and glory. What I just described Ought to make you feel very small. It ought to make all men feel very small. In comparison to a great and awesome God. And it should strike fear. Into every man's heart. Because no matter how powerful we think we are. God is infinitely more powerful. He is incomprehensible, meaning we can never get to the bottom of who God is. And He is almighty in power. But not only that, the truth of who God is should give the weary sinner comfort in knowing that He is faithful That He is most merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. We often forget that. We often forget that in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our turmoil. When sickness and disease attack our bodies. When a pandemic takes over our country. When enemies rise against us when never-ceasing temptations torment the Christian, we forget who God is. But Jesus, in his entire life, was a sermon revealing God and his character. And this is what Jesus wanted to remind us of in our text. That he is all-powerful and faithful to his people, even when we are not as faithful. Because in everyone's life, at some point or another, there will be trouble. There will be a sudden moment of tragedy or shock. There will be a moment of fear and anxiety in every Christian's life. And we are not called to be stoics, emotionless, and stone-faced, bottling up our fears, trying to ignore our frailty, imperfections, and flaws, and then calling that faith. Especially when we consider Jesus' most faithful disciples. That was sarcasm, by the way. At this point, Jesus is still by the sea as he was was teaching in parables from a boat. Uh, The crowds were there, and there were other people on other boats as well. And the day has passed, and evening had come. So he said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Jesus needed a break. From the crowd, so they took him on a boat. This is presumably uh, Peter's boat, and so uh, they set sail. Uh, Now, the Sea of Galilee is about eight miles across, and the surface of the sea is about 680 feet below sea level, as it is the lowest freshwater lake on the earth. It is surrounded by hills and mountains. And these mountains funnel wind through them, and this causes windstorms on the sea. Uh, Fishermen would go to fish in the evening uh, to avoid such windstorms as they usually happen during the day. Except for this day, for some odd reason. Uh, They are caught off guard, and to their surprise in the evening, a great windstorm A good translation to give us a picture of the size of the windstorm is that it was a megastorm. It was huge. And I'm not sure if you've ever watched a movie depicting the scene. I'm, I'm not trying to promote one. But they usually depict the boat to be this dinky little rowboat. And they do this in order to portray portray Jesus and his disciples as poor and lowly and needy. But actually, uh, being a fisherman was a pretty good job at the time. And and you earned a decent living. And most likely, this fishing boat was about 27 feet long. So it was a pretty big boat for that time. Peter was probably well off with a big boat. But despite that fact... This boat is in the midst of a a mega storm and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. What does this mean? It means they're going to sink. They're going to sink. Uh, Not many of us have been on a boat on the sea in the middle of a storm, but this is a picture of life, isn't it? The Bible often refers to storms and waves crashing to describe when life becomes turbulent or traumatizing. It refers to storms to describe when trouble arises in our lives. And I can guarantee you, trouble will come our way at one point or another. We can avoid it, and we make a point to avoid it, but trouble will be rocking Our boats at some point or another. And and this was the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. This was a great moment of revealing who Jesus is to test his faith. The faith of his disciples. Because if I were in their position, I would probably be pretty nervous myself. Maybe even close to panicking. Because we know we stand no chance against a storm. We can't stop it and we have no control over it. So, to panic when we have no control is our natural response. When trouble arises, maybe a storm on the sea, or troubles in our own lives. Sudden sickness when we're on the brink of death panic is our natural response I'm not sure how many of of you have been on a boat during a storm I've been on one it's not a pleasant time Um, especially when you're on the Atlantic Ocean right off the west coast of Africa where all the hurricanes come from And it's in the middle of the night. Over there, you do not want to be on the boat in the middle of the night. That's where everything picks up, including the boat. And the only thoughts that are going through your mind are death, because you have no control. Sickness, because you're nauseous. And you're thinking, if I survive, I'm never getting on a boat again. Panic is our natural reaction to a fearful situation that we know we have no control over. So the question for us is, who does? Who does have control over this kind of situation? If panic was the reaction of Jesus' disciples, where was Jesus? What was his reaction to the boat that is about to sink. Where was he? It says he was in the stern. Now that is the back or the hind part of the boat sleeping on a cushion. Now this reminds me of the story of Jonah when he was in the inner part of the boat sleeping while he was at sea during a storm as he was on the way to Tarshish. And the mariners or the sailors on the boat were panicking But Jonah was sleeping because he didn't care. Not because he didn't uh, trust in God or because he had faith in God. He was sleeping because he really didn't care. And he was running away from God and His commands. But Jesus as a man totally rested in God His Father and in His will. See, this passage was put here to show us and remind us primarily of who Jesus is. As He is the Son of the Father. Because that is the most important question that we could ever ask ourselves. Who is this Jesus that is sleeping in the stern? As a perfect and sinless man... Jesus trusted in God, His Father, fully and perfectly to the point that He was sleeping during a megastorm. But we must also remember, Jesus is not only man, but He is also God. And the question we should have, according to His divine nature as God... Didn't he know that the storm was coming? Of course he knew. I would argue he purposely led them into it. He was the one who said, Let us go across to the other side. He knew what was going to happen. It was his idea in the first place, it was foreordained by him before he created the world. Little did they know what was going to happen, and little did they know that he had all things under his control to begin with. And That is also why, as a man, he was sleeping. When we look at our own trouble and our sufferings, and we are caught off guard, much like we are caught off guard today, We didn't know that such and such was going to happen. Remember, Jesus is the one who leads us to and through the trials and trouble that we are going through. He does this to test us, to mature us, and to strengthen us in our faith. Don't think what is happening today with COVID-19 is by chance... Or for no reason at all. It is to challenge us. It is to humble us. It is to draw us closer to who He is and to rely upon Him. Because we would be fooled to think that the Christian life is always smooth and positive and clean. When we will be tested, we will go through trials before we reach the other side of the sea. What we must remember is that Jesus is with us on the boat. That's a metaphor. Don't take it literally. I'm not saying we're on the boat right now. That's a metaphor. If you're taking it literal, your minds are drifting from the purpose. It's to say he is with us throughout our entire lives. And this is what he was showing his disciples. He is with them. He is with them. He knows exactly what will happen to us. He knew exactly what will happen to them on the boat. As he has our lives in his hands. But the disciples must have confused him with Jonah. As they woke him and said to him in the form of a rebuke. uh, Imagine the creature shaking his fist. To his creator saying, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They thought he didn't care. Because much like us, when troubles arose, they became fearful. And what they feared was that they were about to be destroyed. In other words, they feared death. Just like these disciples, when troubles arise for us, we become a fearful people. And the one thing that everyone fears, at some point or another in life, is their own demise. Is their own death. Now there is, a, there is such a thing as healthy fear, that promotes a level of wisdom that helps us to make good choices in life, like when growing up, uh, there is a healthy fear we ought to have of our parents. That if we get out of line, we ought to fear the discipline that will follow. And that helps us to think through next time we try to get wise. Then there's the healthy fear that teaches us not to randomly jump in front of a moving vehicle or jump out of a tree because we know we're going to fall and break something. God gives us boundaries and limits and everything. And that is a healthy kind of fear. that, That is fear that He puts in us, in all of us, to make wise, common sense decisions. Fear is behind most of our choices that we make on a daily basis. But then there is a, another kind of fear. There is this unhealthy fear. There is a fear that is despairing. Which shows a, a loss of hope. And a lack of hope in God. And this is where the disciples were. These disciples were in a state of despair. And they didn't know what to do. When we are in a situation that is overwhelming and life-threatening, either to ourselves or to someone we love dearly, we tend to panic. And often it may lead us to question the goodness and the power of God. We tend to question whether or not He truly cares for us. But that is a misunderstanding of who God truly is. And they misunderstood Jesus and who he was. Like I said, we lack a knowledge of who God is in himself. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he was showing us who God is in bits and in pieces. His divine nature was working very humanly through his human nature. They interpreted the fact that he was sleeping while they were about to die meant that he didn't care. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Especially since he came to earth for their sake. He came to earth for our sake. He came to die for us. Can any of us claim that God doesn't care? This is a lesson for us. Let us not misunderstand that just because we are going through something difficult. It doesn't mean that He doesn't care and that He doesn't want to bother with us. Beloved, that is not true. He knows every minute detail of your suffering and your problems, whatever they are. In this moment, the disciples showed that they had little faith and that they failed to trust his word we too are of little faith and we lack lack trust in his word we have little faith in his love and care for us which means we lack faith in who God is in himself that's why learning of his attributes are so important It's so important. So what did they do? How did they react? They went to Jesus. Now, they went to him, not because they had faith in him, but because they knew he was this powerful guy uh, who's being used by God, and maybe he was a little wiser than they were. So they go to him for a solution. But I don't think they expected what he would do next. And what he would do next would teach them a different kind of fear, another healthy kind of fear. What was his response to their questioning? It says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Uh, 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 The word great there is mega again. Mega calm. Just like that. Now imagine the look on their faces. At that point. They just witnessed. A glimpse. Of the glory. The majesty. And the power of Jesus. He stilled. The chaos and the torment. Just like he silenced the demons, he silences all nature at his command. Just like he did in the beginning when he spoke all things into existence and he set the limits of the waters and how high it should rise and how far into the land it should go, he says to the sea, Peace be still. So he responded to the disciples in their rebuke the same way God responded to Job when he was questioning God. When God said, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds and... Its garment and thick darkness. Its swaddling band. And prescribed limits for it. And set bars and doors. And su- said thus far shall you come. And no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. That was Jesus' response. When he said peace. Be still. And he calmed everything. Everything. On that sea. That day. And when he returns. All things will be silenced before him. And all the noise of life. All the suffering. And the chaos. Will be put to rest. In the lives. Of those who believe in him. There will be a a mega calm When he returns. For believers. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He didn't ask them these questions. Because if they had faith, they would be able to stop the windstorm the way he did. No. Uh, There are false teachers who teach that uh, they have control over uh, the weather and nature. Because they have strong faith. That's not the reason why he asked that question. But the reason why he asked the question, and the reason why Jesus had control over nature, is because he created it. It's because he created it. And he questioned his disciples because they doubted his care, they doubted his love. For them. They doubted the goodness of God. They feared death would be the end of all things. Like us. Just like us. They focus more on their situations. And their circumstances. Rather than on Jesus. And his trustworthiness. And this is a call for all of us in the midst of the stormy seas of life to focus on Jesus rather than on our circumstances. Because Jesus has come to cast out that fear by becoming man, like the author of Hebrews says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He has come to free us from that fear, from that despairing fear, That leaves us to question the goodness and power of God. Yet it says, and they were filled with great fear. There it is again. Mega fear. There was a great storm. Jesus brought a great calm. And now there is great fear. You're probably saying to yourselves, wow, these guys are cowards. They go from being afraid of dying uh, to being afraid of a man. But this is not uh, an unhealthy fear to have. This is a healthy fear. This is a healthy fear. We ought to fear the power and holiness of God. For the Christian, it is what the scriptures call a reverent fear. An awesome fear. They stood in awe over the wonderful works of God. They stood in awe of who he is in Jesus. He was trying to teach them to fear in the right way. Now, that's not the outcome But that's what he was trying to do. And this should be the way we respond to Jesus. That should be the way we respond when we understand more about who he is as he is revealed to us in scripture. We ought to be filled with Awe and a godly fear, not a fear that despairs over life itself, but a fear that leads us to heartfelt worship and adoration, adoring the majesty and beauty of our faithful Savior. That is the kind of fear we ought to have, but they didn't understand fully who He was. At this time. And they didn't get it at this point, And they didn't understand why they sensed such fear. They were filled with great fear. A fear they probably uh, couldn't explain at the time. If you asked them. If they were on dry land. Not surrounded by water. They would have run for their lives. Because... All men fear the holiness of God. All men fear the holiness of God. That's why we suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. When confronted with the holiness of God, fear pierces the hearts of men. And we naturally try to hide from God. We can put on a show for now. And there are those who speak and act as if they wouldn't fear if Jesus would show up at their doorstep. Like, hey, come right on in. But that is not how his return is described. The fact is that everyone will fall on their face when they see him. As it says in Revelation, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. Hey, Jesus, my homeboy, come right on it. No, that's not going to happen. Never. That's never going to happen. We live in a world Unfortunately, it's poured out into our churches that no longer fear God. Neither reverently, neither holy fear nor despairingly. It should be one of the two. It should be one of the two. Why did his disciples fear? What was going on through their minds? Imagine this is a group of Jews. This is a group of Jews, and they know their Bibles. And they just witnessed this. Passages must have been going through their minds. Like these, By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation. The one who by his strength established the mountains being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves. So that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. Or how about this one? O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. And the one we read earlier, some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They cried to the Lord in their trouble and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Now think of them in this situation and what they just witnessed god was with them in the boat god was with them in the boat and god is with us in all of our troubles he is our deliverance but like i said they didn't get it they still ask the question Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? They didn't quite get it, and they don't get it for a while. Some pieces of the puzzle are connected, and some pieces are not throughout the story. So it happens with us as well. They couldn't explain what happened. It was humanly impossible to figure it out with Worldly thinking. And just like the world. They try to group Jesus in with everyone else. They try to put him in a group or a category. Oh, he's a great prophet. He's a great teacher. A great wonder worker at best. They may have thought he was just a powerful guy. Isn't that the way the scriptures teach us about the Messiah? That he's just some guy that's going to come and liberate us from our political enemies? But the fact of the matter is, he is not like everyone else. He is not like everyone else who came to teach some high moral ground that we are to aim for. He just showed and proved to them that he has control over nature. The wind and the sea obey Him because He is the Creator. And He said in His way, this is why you shouldn't be afraid. Because He has control over life itself. He decides who lives and who dies as He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And he can be trusted to save. This text ought to bring. All of us. To the fear. Of the Lord. With awe and reverence. And worship. But if you reject this savior. Then you ought to despair over your sin. You ought to despair over your sin. You ought to have greater fear. Than these disciples here. Because his power is unmatched. And like the saying goes. No one can box with God. And this man like Jonah. Will save his people from the storm. Jonah was offered as a sacrifice. When he was thrown off of the boat. To appease God's wrath. And the sailors on the boat repented and believed in his God. They turned from their false gods and idols who could not save them from the stormy sea. And they worshipped the true and living God. And by the end of this letter, this is what the disciples do. They turned and worshipped this God that was with them on the boat. Now the main difference between Jesus and Jonah is that Jonah was a sinner. But here we have the sinless Son of God who will take up the cross to save these sinners who were on this boat. To save you and me as well. And though they were in the midst of a storm, that boat was the best place for them to be in because they were with their Savior. Unlike the rest of the world. Who then is this? Ask yourself this question. This is the most important question you could ever ask yourself. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this that all creation and even the demons obey him? Who is he to you? Is He your Savior? If we are putting our trust in anything else but Him, our trust is misplaced. Who can deliver you from the storms of life? Who delivered me on that boat off the west coast of Africa? If you only saw the size of that boat, it actually sunk the year after. I I was on it, by the way. He is our only hope. Where are you today? Where is your heart? Are you despairing over your situation? Are you despairing over what's going on around you? Or what's going on in Lisbon with this uptick? We take the proper precautions, of course. We're not to be foolish, but are you in despair? Are you in despair? Have you lost hope? Remember, Jesus is the only one who can calm the soul. Just as he calmed the storm. So I ask you to take up his call and rest in him. Amen.